You're listening to the Cornerstone Family Worship Center podcast. Making disciples, building community, and growing together in faith and love. Have you heard anything about that? Well, surely we have. As a matter of fact, that is all we are hearing about nowadays. Amen? And the dread and the fear of it seems to be compounding each and every day. Every news station you turn on on the television is talking about the coronavirus. Every talk radio show that you turn on is talking about the coronavirus. Everywhere. And more and more each and every day. Amen. And I know you probably thought that coming to church this morning uh, would be a safe haven from hearing the word coronavirus. Well, I'm sorry I have to disappoint you this morning. Because I am going to talk about the coronavirus. Amen. Let's pray. And then we're going to get into our series, 2020 Vision. And the subtitle this morning is 2020 Vision for the Coronavirus. Amen. All right, I'm going to switch microphones over here. Amen. Lord, we bless your holy name this morning and we thank you for your holy word. And we pray that this morning, as your word goes forth, it will pierce our hearts, encourage us, challenge us, quicken us, make us bold in faith, give us the confidence that you would have us to have as your people. And Lord, that your holy word will be sealed today in our hearts and in our minds, that we will carry it out from this place. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Hallelujah. We thank you and we praise you. Anoint your servant anew and afresh this morning with your word and anoint every ear and every heart to hear it and let it be mixed with faith, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Our series, 2020 Vision. And this morning it's uh, 2020 Vision for the Coronavirus. Amen. Just to refresh our memory, what does 2020 Vision have to do with? Visual acuity. Who said that? James, all right. You're listening and taking notes, at least up here, aren't you? It has to do with our visual acuity, which means the clarity or keenness of our vision. And if we ever uh, needed some clearness, and if ever there was a time that calls for clearness and, and perspective, it's right now with what we're dealing with. Amen. There's uh, way too much fear out there, brothers and sisters. Way too much fear. I'm hearing stuff every single day, and it just seems to be nothing but fear, fear, fear. 
the number of deaths in this country caused by this virus is a very small percentage of our population. And it is even a smaller percentage when we look at it globally. And people are shocked that I would even make such a statement because they will say, every one of those lives are precious. I don't disagree with that one single bit. Every single one of them are precious. And we are grieved over each and every one of these fatalities and the loved ones who have lost these family members to this virus. That goes without saying. Amen. But to, uh, to become so conscious of this virus that we are shutting down everything around us, that we have allowed fear to get such a hold on us that we are canceling classes for school children, colleges and universities and shutting down concerts and being po uh, concerts being postponed, uh, cruise ships being docked, celebrity galas uh, are being put on hold, uh, political gatherings and even sporting events. Wow! That's going some, isn't it? In this world in, that we're living in, that they would even cancel some sporting events? All of that stuff just bugs me to no end that there's such a fear for all of that. But you know what I even, what I even, what is even more disgusting to me? Listen, if you're a germ person and if you're somebody that says they're all doing the right thing and we're all right to be under this cloud of fear, I'm sorry, I disagree with you. The thing that bothered me this morning getting ready for church, I turned on one of the Christian stations in this big, wonderful, beautiful sanctuary and the pastor was saying how everybody is staying home today because of the uh, national uh, emergency. I'm telling you something, church. I always thought it would be the lopping of heads and, and guns pointed at the Christians and all kinds of things like that coming against us as Christian people. I never thought it would be a devil's uh, fear tactic to just say, stay at home and don't worship God today. Don't come together as the church today. I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but you know what? I really don't care. I really don't care. I believe God's word. I believe what God said. I believe the report of the Lord. Whose, re whose report will you believe? The report, of the, the report of the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. But I want to ask you something. Have we ever seen such a united global interest in any one thing? Never, not, not in my life. I've never seen, I'm talking about a global, I'm talking about countries and nations and everybody talking the same fearful stuff. It's all based on fear. As I said, people are shocked by my previous statement, but I'm shocked as to why there is not a global outcry over 60 million babies that have been dismembered and pulled apart in their mother's wombs and thrown into the dumpsters like a piece of trash. Yeah, that's our country. According to their own statistics, the same World Health Organization that has us so upset over this virus says that, and this is their knowledge, they know that every year in the world there are an estimated 40 to 50 million abortions. And this corresponds to approximately 125,000 ab abortions per day. Let me say that another way. 
125,000 lives per day. Let's get some balance here. Let's get some perspective here. Let's really focus in on some things that are really important. Not that this is unimportant, folks. Let's keep it in context. Somebody's going to quote me and take a little something that I said this morning and twist it all around. They always do. Don't tell me how unsympathetic I am about the deaths caused by this terrible virus and how loving, caring, and compassionate you are towards humanity when not only do these statistics not bother some of you, you even defend the practice of it. Shame on you. Shame on all of you politicians and world leaders that have nothing to say about this. Amen. Amen. Tell me. Where is the global outcry, the unity in the global outcry for the destruction of churches and the bombings of houses of worship throughout the world by terrorist organizations and countries that support them? Where's, where, where's the global outcry against such a thing? And people and all of these nations should be shutting that down and coming against it. But you know what? Half of the time you don't even hear when it happens. There are other things that are far more important than all of this hyped up fear. I'm taking some of the precautionary steps that are being suggested. I'm not being stupid about this. I'm washing my hands more than ever. <laughs> Trying to be mindful of how I sneeze and things like that. As a matter of fact, I made a joke this morning in, in our prayer, uh, prayer room. I said, over the weekend, I have had my hands for two hours in dishwater and soap. I was washing dishes at the VFW hall after we had our fish fry on Friday night. Not a whole lot of people even showed up for that because a lot of them are older and, they, and out of fear, man, they just didn't come. If you're sick, stay home. And if you're fearful, go ahead, stay home. You know, I teach at a Bible study for veterans on Monday nights. And uh, the guy who heads it up called me up this week and said, Pastor Mike, can I just ask you a question about something off of you? He was troubled by this. This was like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And he never calls me that late. He says, is this too late to call? I said, no, I'm up studying and praying. He says, uh, someone asked me if we're going to have Bible study on Monday night this week. I said, why not? You know, like I didn't even know what he was talking about. I said, why wouldn't we? You know, he said, well, they, he said that maybe we should stay home because of this uh, virus thing and, the, the, you know, the national uh, emergency and this and that. And I said, brother, I said, as far as I know, they're telling people of groups of 250 or more. We don't have that many people. I said, we're only a group of about 25 people. Why in the world should we just cut it down, shut it down? I told Mary on the way to church, sometimes she checks in on the Facebook thing. 
I says, and she says, we're going to the Cornerstone Family Worship Center to worship the Lord this morning. And she puts that, that uh, thing out there. I don't know what you call it. What is that? A blog or whatever? <laughs> and, and so I says to her, I says, hey, on the way into church today, I said, why don't you tell everybody else that goes to all these mega churches that are, that are shutting down today. I said, tell them, come on over and join us. We're open for business. I'm washing my hands. I'm doing the stuff. I'm not saying go out there and be stupid. If you are sick, stay home. Don't get other people sick. But I'm claiming the promises of God for me and for my family, and especially Psalm 91. And I I did not put this on the screen for you, but some of you uh, have your Bibles with you. I'm I'm not going to even read the whole psalm, but it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under the wings, under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Remember in 9-11, everybody was so fearful to go out of their houses the next day. I said, you know what? Go out of your house. Go do shopping. Go do everything else that you normally do. Don't let the terror tactic do its work. That's what terror is all about. It's to make people fearful. And so you stay in the house, you buckle, buckle down, you hunker down, and you don't go anywhere because of what just happened. What just happened is not necessarily going to happen again today. Go out there and live. And put things back together. Roll up your sleeves. Get to work. I remember reading about the Chicago fire. Burned down the whole city of Chicago. And one store owner, under, uh, with all of the rubble and stuff, after everything, all the smoke settled and the debris settled, he was out in front of his store and it was, it was down to the ground. And he was hanging up a sign and putting a sign in the ground. Uh, all lost except for family. Business resumes tomorrow. That's the spirit, folks. That's the attitude that gets up and gets going. That's not a fearful spirit. And I'm not going to be driven by fear. Nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. Dropping down in the 10th verse, it says, There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Because he has set his love upon me. Now God talking. That was a psalmist saying, I'm going to put my trust in God. But God says this, because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Who are you trusting in this morning? I'm trusting that word. I'm trusting what God said, not the W-H-O. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 41, verses 10 through 13. And look at what God spoke to his people in the Old Testament. Fear thou not. For I am with thee. 
Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with my with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they shall and they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them and shalt not find them, even them that contended with thee. They that war against thee sh- uh, shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught or a thing of nothing. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not. Hallelujah. I will help thee. Amen. People take medications or supplic- uh, supplements uh, that their doctors prescribe to help prevent or heal sicknesses and diseases. Why not apply God's word to our lives? Why not believe God's prescription? Why not accept God's cure for our sicknesses and our diseases? In other words, stand on his word. Believe God for our healing. I happen to believe that God works miracles still even in this day. And he doesn't need man to perform the miraculous. Yet, he will use man by revealing things to him that can be used for his glory. Amen. What's wrong with, Bible, what's wrong with believing that God can show our doctors and our scientists a way out of the mess that we are in right now? Why not have that kind of confidence? God will bring us through. You know what? <laughs> We've overcome polio, TB, malaria, typhoid. All of these kinds of things have been, they've wiped out hundreds of thousands of people. And we eventually found cures for them because God either miraculously done something or God gave to man the wisdom to do something about it. Amen. When President Trump appointed our Vice President Mike Pence to lead this uh, coronavirus task force, one of the first things the Vice President did was to pray with them. People mocked him. The world is full of mockers right now, I'm telling you. And not only him... But those of us who believe in prayer as well, they mock you, they mock me. They make it sound like these men and women don't believe in science, that they are superstitious, that they just pray to God and sit back and expect him to fix it all. No, they were praying for his guidance through this situation that God would give them wisdom, that he would reveal to them the cure for this virus. Our generation has been sucked up into secular humanism so much that we have lost our dependence upon our creator. As if God and science were incompatible. But I would remind them that some of our greatest discoverers and scientists were godly men and women who prayed to God. Not only prayed to God, heard from God. Take that joy, Behar. Let me just name a couple of them from the website Famous Scientists. 
Blaise Pascal, 1623 to 1662, a Roman Catholic theologian. Pascal's wager justifies belief in God. Among other things, he invented the hydraulic press and the mechanical calculator. What was Pascal's wager? It was this. The argument that it is in one's own best interest to believe as if God exists. Since the possibility of eternal judgment in hell outweighs any advantage in believing otherwise. (laughs) One of the great minds throughout history. A scientific mind. Sir Isaac Newton, 1643 to 1727. He was a passionate dissenting Protestant who spent more time on Bible study than math and physics, profoundly changed our understanding of nature with his law of universal gravitation and his laws of motion. Invented calculus, built the first ever reflecting telescope, showed sunlight is made of all the colors of the rainbow. Brilliant mind, believer in God. Elbrick von Haller, 1708 to 1777, a Protestant who wrote religious texts and helped organize the construction of the Reformed Church, the father of modern physiology. Samuel Morris, 1791 to 1872, a Calvinist, with Unitarian sympathies, who funded a lectureship considering uh, the relation of the Bible to sciences, took part in the invention of the single-wire telegraph and patented it, developed the Morse Code. Arthur Eddington, 1882 to 1942, he was a Quaker, who believed the hand that made us is divine. He was the first scientist to propose stars obtain their energy from nuclear fusion. Experimentally, he verified Einstein's general theory of relativity, another bright mind who believed in the word of God. Charles Towns, 1915 to to 2015, he lived a hundred years a member of the United Church of Christ, prayed daily, wrote books linking science and religion, believed religion more important than science, invented the laser and the maser, which operated in the microwave frequency range. He also established the Milky Way as a uh, super... Uh, He also established that the Milky Way has a supermassive black hole in its center. You've heard the term black holes. He's the guy that found that out. Charles Babbage, you heard me speak of him in the last few weeks or the last couple of months. From 1791 to 1871 he lived. He was a Protestant devotee who devoted a chapter of his autobiography to a discussion of his faith. The father of the computer. Now we carry him around in our pockets. The father of the computer invented the analytical engine, a uh, Turing complete computer in 1837. 
the first general purpose computer. George Washington Carver, 1864 to 1943, the son of slaves, a Protestant evangelist and Bible class leader whose faith in Jesus was the mechanism through which he carried out his scientific work. Improved the agricultural economy of the United States of America by promoting nitrogen, providing, providing peanuts as an alternative crop to cotton to prevent soil depletion. And uh, almost a hundred other inventions and, and discoveries that he found in the peanut. I like this guy. I read a lot about him. And he said that he went to the Lord asking him huge questions about the universe and stuff. He says, the Lord, what about this? And the Lord says, oh, that's too much for you, little man. He says, oh, Lord, what about this? He says, oh, that's too much for you to understand, little man. And then he finally held up a peanut and he said, Lord, what about this peanut? And from there he found many, many ways of using the peanut, which many of us enjoy today. Peanut butter. <laughs> Amen. I know my girls love peanut butter and jelly. Amen. I know that little guy that loves peanut butter. And can we say jelly? Ah, <laughs> uh, hallelujah. Florence Nightingale. We got a woman in here too now. Come on. I want to be fair. I've just picked a few of these out there. There's a lot of them at this website. But I just wanted to pick, and, and if you notice, I, I picked different ones who were Calvinists, whatever other, you know, Catholic, Quakers, had varying views of Christianity, but the one book they based their faith in, they based their faith in God. We all have different understandings, maybe of little things here and there and different doctrinal differences. But that's why today we're coming across this nation praying in all of those denominations, to the one true God. Amen. Florence Nightingale, 1820 to 1910, an Anglican who believed God spoke to her, another one, Joy, Behar. She, she, she mocked our vice president because he said he prays and talks to God and follows the leading of his Holy Spirit. She says, well, I know a lot of people talk to God, but when God talks back to you, hmm, you know why? Must have a screw loose up there or something. And she didn't just put our uh, vice president down. She put every one of us that are meeting in Christ's name today in this church and houses of worship that have their doors open today. <laughs> she put every one of us down because we believe we hear from God. She was an Anglican who believed God spoke to her, calling her to her work. She transformed nursing into a respected, highly trained profession, used statistics to analyze wider health outcomes, advocated sanitary reforms. Hmm, we're hearing a lot about that today, aren't we? Sanitary reforms largely credited with adding 20 years to life expectancy between 1871 and 1935. What a phenomenal find, huh? What a phenomenal uh, gathering of data. What a, what a sharp mind that heard from the Lord and called her into this thing. And we all benefit from it today. So for all these humanistic, theistic 
evolutionists who say that God doesn't exist, this is what God says about you. Psalm 14, verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Anyone who proclaims there is no God, he's saying, man, they're they're fools. Galatians 6, verse 7. The Apostle Paul reminded us, us of this. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If we sow to our flesh, we're going to reap corruption. If we sow to our spirit, man, and things that are spiritual and godly, then we're going to reap life everlasting. The choice is ours. I said it, I think, last week or the week before. God is a God of choice. Just make the right choice and things will come out good for you. That's for all of those who don't believe in God or who mock him and his holy word. This is not to say that an atheist can't discover things, invent things, and find cures for diseases without believing in God. There are many of them who have done all of this. Let's give credit to where credit is due. Amen? But he cannot do anything or any of those things apart from God. Did you hear what I said? He can come to all of those findings without believing that there is a God. But he cannot do his findings and compile them and bring them together apart from God. You ought to underline that. That's a Mike Panitch quote. Because God created everything that exists in the universe. And he holds it all together in a very orderly fashion. The Bible tells us that. He created the world and the world consists by him. He's holding, holding it all together in a very orderly fashion. And it is that very order that all science must depend on for their data and calculations of everything. I don't care if they are an atheist. They're counting on God's order to be able to find out what they're finding out. Now for all of us, I've been preaching to those guys for a long time and I know that a lot of them are not here. I hope none of them are here. But I hope they're listening on their devices. Now for all of us who do believe, may our faith be bolstered by God's holy word. Let us not be sucked into the fear of the unbelievers around us. When Jesus said we are the light of the world and we are to uh, let our light shine, he was saying let your Christian influence affect those around you for good. One of the ways that we can do this at this time is to be an example of peace and soundness. Balance it all out. Do the things that, uh, that are precautionary. Not a problem. But don't walk around fearful that you're going to breathe air from somebody else that's three feet away from you. Be rational. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 tells us that we have a rational mind. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. 
but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When we are fearful, we are not fit for the battle. I'll say it again. When we are fearful, we are not fit. In other words, we're not prepared for the battle. Look at what God told his people again in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 20 verses 1 through 8. When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be, when you are come nigh unto the battle, that the priests shall approach and speak unto the people, and shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint, fear not, and do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies, to save you. And the officers of the army shall speak unto the people, saying, What man is there that has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man dedicate it. And what man is he that has planted a vineyard and has not eaten of the fruit of it? Let him also go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man eat of his fruit. And what man is there that hath betrothed a wife and hath not taken her? Let him go and return unto his house, lest he die in the battle and another man take her. And the officers shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return unto his house, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his. Several classes of people who were exempt from going to war. Some of those other things we would say, oh, those are practical things. But this here is a spiritual matter. He says, if you're fearful, go on back home. Because your fear is contagious. Your fear will cause the rest of the army to become fearful. Your fear will cause your next door neighbor to fear. Who will cause his next door neighbor to fear? Who will cause his next door neighbor to fear? Who will cause the whole city to fear? Who will cause the whole nation to fear? Who will cause the entire world possibly to fear? If you are fearful, you're unfit for the battle. We need not be fearful, folks. God didn't want that man in the battle. Why? Because his fear would get all over everybody. But guess what? So is faith contagious. Hallelujah. Huh? We saw that in David when he went out there and took that Goliath. You know, the whole, the whole army is shaken before this one great big guy and a little kid with a slingshot comes out and plants a stone right between his eyes and knocks him down. Now, all of a sudden, what happened? All the army, all the soldiers, oh, yeah, let's go get them Philistines, yeah. All of a sudden, they became big boys. They pulled their drawers up. Fear is contagious, but so is faith. So we need to speak words of faith today. 
in the ears of those who are around us. Amen. This is not a time for irrational fear and panic. You know, fear, fear is a natural thing that God has put inside of us. Uh, you know, the, uh, a certain kind of a fear. Okay, you go to the edge of a of a cliff and you look down there. I mean, you you, you if you're sensible at all, you say, hmm, "I'm not taking another step. No way. I don't even like to look at real graphic pictures of that kind of stuff. I get queasy." It's a natural thing. That's a natural emotion. But God does not want us to be overcome by fear, and He does not want us to be so fearful that we cannot move. Amen. So it's not a time for irrational fear and panic. It's a time for us to bring comfort and peace to those around us. To speak words of hope. Let's believe God's word. Amen. The Bible says that we, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Well, I say, uh, where fear abounds, faith does much more abound. Faith can overcome the fear. And if faith is coming out of our mouth, we might just be like uh, little old David. And we might bolster the faith of people around us instead of implanting more and more fear. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, a favorite and a classic verse of scripture that I know today is being quoted wherever Christians are praying. I am sure of it. If my people, if my people, are you his people? Am I one of his people? Then this, is, this applies to us. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Amen. Somebody might say, well, are you saying that God's doing this and this is God's judgment and all of that? You know what? That's a debate for another day. I'm not even going there this morning. But I will say this one thing. Uh, We we know that the scripture says that in the last days there will be plenty, plenty of pestilence. Diseases and sicknesses that will overwhelm the globe. Is this one of them? Could be. I'm not a date setter. But I do believe that we are living near the end of time as we know it. And we are living near the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So is this one of those things that God promised or not? Because this scripture says repent of our sins. So that applying that to us today, someone might say, well, are you saying that this is because of our sins? I'm saying this, when a, when a nation turns their back on God, the scripture is very clear about this. <laughs> Destruction and hell awaits them. If I turn my back on Christ, I've been serving him for almost 50 years, but if I turn and walk away from him, I would be like that nation who's turned away from God. When when a nation does that, God can lift his hand of mercy and say, this is what you want? Go ahead. I said he's a God of choice. Israel wanted a king so we could be like all the other nations. Listen to their reasoning so we can be like the other nations. God says, well, you're a nation of my people. You're called by my name. Why would you want to be like other nations? 
And that's what people are doing today. As a matter of fact, that's what churches are doing today. Let's conduct church like the other guys down the road. Shame on us. There's room for repentance, folks, for God's people. I'm one of them. I need to search my heart and ask God to show me things in my own life. And so do you. And if you don't think that you do, you've got the sin of self-righteousness. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, we know that Jesus and the disciples were heading across the sea and all of a sudden a storm brewed. Jesus was in the bow of the boat, sleeping on a pillow. And they said, hey, master, wake up, we're going to perish. Look at this. It says, and when he was in the hinder part of the ship, well, I guess I said the bow, he was in the hinder part for all of you mariners. He was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I believe that is what God is asking his people today. who are allowing themselves to get caught up in this fear today. If you're a Christian getting caught up into that fear, I want to tell you something right now. Shake that fear off. Shake that fear off and believe that God is for you and not against you. Amen. Let us put our trust in him first and foremost. Can we trust science? Can we trust the things that are tangible, material, that we can put our hands on and put together to fix things properly? Can we trust those things? Yeah, we can trust those that when this part comes together with this part, the two of them make this part and it can do this particular function. Yeah, we can believe that. We can put our trust that that can happen. But our ultimate trust must be first and foremost in Almighty God. And when we're doing that, the rest of it will take its course. <laughs> you know what I have to say about the coronavirus? This too shall pass. Unless, unless it is one of the pestilences that I just mentioned a moment ago. That shall surely come upon the earth. People are fearful of the wrong stuff today, folks. They think that the worst thing in the world that could happen to me would be that I would walk outside of that door today, step off of a curb and get run over by a truck and be instantly dead. And I got news for all of you. That is not the worst thing in the world that could happen to me. The worst thing would be that I step off that curb, get run over by a truck and be instantly dead without Christ. And that is the truth for everyone who hears this man's voice today, whether it's by a podcast or in this place right now. It is the truth of God. It is the truth of God. All of us are going to die one day. All of us are going to stand before our maker one day. And he will not be mocked. It might appear right now that God is being mocked and, and nothing's happening to the mockers. But every one of them will stand before him one day and every one of their knees will bow before him and say, Oh, you are the Lord. Yeah. 
I'm sorry, I didn't believe. And he will say, too late. Too late. You have sealed your eternal fate by not believing my word. By not receiving my son. By not receiving the gift of salvation that I have offered to all of mankind. And you refused it. And your refusal has sealed your fate. Church, the message for us today, if we're going to, if we're going to, uh, Give in to any kind of fear. We need to, we need to give in to the fear of the fact that one day we will all stand before God. One day. And I, I'm not fearful about that because I'm quite confident of where I stand.